Let's, let's uh, read Numbers 12 and 4. The Lord spake suddenly unto Moses. Everybody say suddenly. The Lord spoke suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and Miriam, come out you three unto the tabernacle of the congregation, and the three came out. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that it's life. We ask you, God, that we could walk in that life. God, that we could experience that life in us. Lord, we ask you to have your way today, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach to you for a little while today on the God of suddenly. Would you say that with me? The God of suddenly. Have any of you ever had a suddenly in your life? I was uh, coming down what they call the Goreville Twin Hills. You know where I'm talking about? You go into Goreville and you turn right just as you're entering Goreville, there's a blacktop that goes past their grocery store and it goes on to the country and it goes to the interstate. There are big hills there. And uh, I was traveling that one winter when I, I, we hadn't been down here too long. And I topped that hill. Snow was all over the place and those roads were snow covered. And I topped that hill and was going down and I was like 16 years old and it dawned on me oh I probably ought to put this in low going down this hill but the time to have done that was before I started down the hill and so while I'm going down this hill I reached up and popped that car in low and when I did the wheels grabbed and I started sliding and if you've ever been on that road you know there are no shoulders it just drops man you're just off into the gully it's about a 30 foot drop or so and I and we we start sliding and I'm trying to cut it and get a hold of it and and we're hit it and my brother Paul's in the car with me and he goes Rick we're sliding I said I know and then we're cutting and then and man it looked like we were going to go off and a suddenly happened to me suddenly Paul left the passenger seat come flying across to where I was, hit me so hard, knocked my hands off the wheel, pinned me up against the road. That car starts doing this, and all I can see is snow. And the windshield, I can't see anything, and I don't know if I'm in the air or if I'm still on the ground. And when it stopped, that car stopped with the back wheels. It was kind of like this. The back wheels were rolling in the air like this, and a drop and the weight of the engine of the car was what was keeping us on the road. God gave me a suddenly. The truth is, if I hadn't had that suddenly in my life, my life would have been over. I would have gone off that. God knows when you need a suddenly. Amen? Sometimes we get suddenlies that we don't want, that we don't need. I've had a suddenly where a pit bull came running across the road right at me and suddenly he decided it was lunchtime and I jumped off the bike I was on and when I jumped off that bike I got on the other side of it and I thought well at least he can't get to me and so I'm keeping that pit bull on the other side of that bike when suddenly his brother showed up and I thought man I am done and then suddenly the owner showed up I want you to know all those suddenlies didn't do 
anything for my heart. I was, I, I was just pounding. And so there are suddenlies that happen in our life. But God is the God of suddenly. The passage that I read said that the Lord spake suddenly to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, and he told them to come out. I need to share the rest of that story with you on why that suddenly came. Miriam and Aaron had been speaking behind Moses' back. They had been criticizing him and his wife because of the country she came from. And so Moses hadn't said anything about this, but God had been hearing it all. So Aaron and Miriam felt like, they, as a matter of fact, they were kind of saying, you know what, we're all the Lord's people. We, you know, God speaks to us too. And then suddenly God did speak to him. And God told them to all come out in the tabernacle and he had a talk with them. And if you would throw that picture up. After that talk, this is what happened. He told them, he said, how is it that you weren't afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And as there, he, he, he says that, you know, I, I speak to him face to face like a man speaks to a friend. He said, and you, 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 you didn't think anything about doing that? How many of you have ever felt like you were getting away with something and then got found out? You know, as children, you think you're getting, I'm telling you that the Bible says that we're going to give an account for every idle word that we speak. Now, that's Jesus that makes that statement. And so after God finished speaking with him, Miriam was left with leprosy, and she had turned to a leper. Now, they began to cry out. They looked to Moses and said, please just pray to God. And Moses turned to God and began to cry out on Miriam's behalf. And the Lord spoke to Miriam and said, if her father had spit in her face, she would have at least bore the shame of it for seven days. So Miriam is left outside the camp for seven days. And then the leprosy leaves her and she's able to come back in. There's a reason I'm saying this today is you have to guard what you say. Everybody say it with me, guard what you say. As a matter of fact, look at your neighbor and say, guard what you say. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. It says that we're snared by the words of our mouth. And what we forget is that angels are ministering spirits. Angels are messengers by nature. So when you speak a word out, when I stand on the promise of God and I declare the word of God, an angel of the Lord will grab that, that word and he'll carry it to its furthest good. But there, aren't, there are other angels as well, angels that have left their first estate. They're still messengers by nature. So what do you think a fallen angel does with a word that we speak out when we're speaking out death? When all of a sudden we're speaking out things, he'll grab that word and he'll carry it to your furthest destruction. 
He'll take the word that came out of your mouth and begin to use it against you. I was ministering in a conference years ago, a minister's conference, and I spoke a message called A Word to War With, and I started bringing this out and showing Scripture all through the Bible where it talks about our words and the difference they make. And I had a pastor come up to me afterwards with tears in his eyes. He said, I wish I had heard this when I was young. There's so much damage that I've done in my life that over my lifetime with my own family. And I looked at him, I said, listen to me. I said, it's never too late to begin to reap a good harvest. I said, you've got to speak out now and cancel those words that you let go out. Begin to repent and say, God, I didn't realize. I didn't understand what I was doing. And now begin to sow words of faith, begin to sow words of life and speak that into your family. Everybody say words. See, all that talk that was going on, they didn't think it would amount to anything. And suddenly they were faced with it. God is a God of suddenly. In Isaiah 48, 1 to 3, Listen to me, O family of Jacob, you who are called by the name of Israel and born into the family of Judah. Listen, you who take oaths in the name of the Lord and call on the God of Israel. You don't keep your promises, even though you call yourself the holy city and talk about depending on the God of Israel, whose name is the Lord of heaven's armies. Long ago, I told you what was going to happen. Then suddenly, I took action and all my predictions came true. Here, God is reminding Israel that for years I had been warning you about turning your heart back to me. Israel, when they prospered, they went after other gods. They were worshiping Moloch. They were worshiping Baal. They were worshiping Ashtoreth and all those things. And you say, well, what's that got to do with us? Well, Baal represented the God of currency or the God of wealth. Do you understand that he was a bull, that they would oftentimes build a bull and worship to Baal? Somebody tell me what sets on Wall Street. So the God of Baal is still being worshipped. Ashtoreth was a, 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 God of sensu- a goddess of sensuality. It was, it was the, the God. They used to, you know how they turned Israel when, when that, you know, Baal, or Balaam came in and he couldn't curse Israel for Moab? Do you know how he got them in a trap? He met with them privately and he told them, he said, look, I can't curse them, but this is what you can do seduced them and so they would the Ashtoreth would have in in her temple there would be prostitutes or women that would and men as well that would give themselves to others and pull them in and that's how they tripped Israel up Uh, how many of you understand that today we live in a sexualized and sensualized society where you can't turn the television on anymore without that stuff being in front of you. David Wilkerson wrote a book years ago called Racing Toward Judgment. And when I was a boy, you didn't hear cussing on TV. It wasn't allowed. They didn't even sleep in the same bed. If you remember Dick Van Dyke, they had to be in separate beds. Now not only are in the same bed, they in the same bed without anything on, and they got the covers pulled back. 
What are you saying? I'm saying it has become a sensualized society and we are worshiping at those altars. Here, God tells him, he said, I, he, he said you, you worship me with your mouth, but you don't keep your promises. You're not doing, you're not following after me. You're following after these other things. He said, now, I told you what was going to happen. I told you that you would be carried away into captivity, and suddenly I made it happen. Do you ever feel like when you was a kid, do you ever feel like you was getting by with something, and suddenly you got caught? Man, I, 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 you know, I crawled out. My, my, my next door neighbor, I wasn't supposed to get out. My mom worked second shift. I was probably four years old at the time. And I couldn't, I couldn't unlock. Now, don't ask me how I could. We had skeleton keys and one of the doors, and I couldn't unlock that. I didn't know how to unlock that, but I could raise a window. And so... I raised a window and grabbed my best friend who was outside and drug him through the window, and we were in the house playing. And all of a sudden, Mom started saying, Rick, have you got Greg in here? Is Greg No, no, Mom. Get behind the couch. Get behind the couch. I stuffed him behind the couch, and no, 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 no. And suddenly, I got found out. <laughs> and suddenly, a switch came out. I'm telling you what, those suddenlies can hurt. <laughs> so God is a God of suddenly. Everybody say a God of suddenly. Here's what you have to remember. A lot of times you feel like uh, people are getting by with things or folks have done something to you and you feel like, well, they're, they're never going to have to pay for it. They're, you know, they, they're not going to have to deal with it. In Scripture, I believe it's the 73rd chapter of Psalm, the psalmist writes, and he said, my feet had nigh well slipped when I considered the wicked in their ways, that there are no bands in their death and whatsoever they set their hands to prospers. He goes on to say that, man, he said, you know, here, can I put it in plain English for you? He said, these fat cats lack for nothing. He said, they, 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 everything they do, they, they don't acknowledge God. They, and he said, and man, I was, when I started thinking about that, I was thinking, well, I've served God for nothing. And he said, but I knew to speak that out of my mouth would be wrong. And he said, and then I went to the sanctuary of the Lord and I understood their end, that they are going to be swept away. Somebody say, suddenly. We forget these suddenlies in our life, don't we? We forget that God is a God that keeps his promises. How many of you have ever heard that Jesus is going to come back? How long have you heard that? All your life? How old are you? No, I'm kidding. You don't have to tell. How old are you? 57. Wow. 57. Did your parents hear about that? How long did they hear it? All their life. What about their parents? How long? Isn't that something? Well, you know, of course, the world has heard about it too, right? And what's the world's comment to that? 
I've heard that all my life. That ain't never going to happen. They've always said that. That's exactly what Israel was doing when God had prophesied about Babylon coming and then Babylon came in and swept them all away. I'm telling you, he's coming back just like he said he was. He's not going to with a, and you say, well, when's he coming back? He's coming back suddenly. That's when he's coming back. You may wait a long time, but suddenly comes. Everybody say it with me, suddenly comes. If you don't think God is a God of suddenly, ask the king of Assyria. You remember the king of Assyria that was king over Assyria during Hezekiah's reign in Judah? He surrounded the city, did a blockade so nobody could go out and nobody could come in. So he's figuring, I'm going to starve him out. And then he tells Hezekiah, he said, you better surrender because your God's not going to be able to deliver you out of my hand. As a matter of fact, what God of any nation has been able to stand up against me? He's not going to deliver you. And he tells all the people, don't listen to Hezekiah. He's telling you that your God's going to deliver. No God of any nation has delivered from my hand. They even sent a formal letter to Hezekiah. And Hezekiah took that letter into the temple of God and he laid it down and he dropped down on his knees and he said, God, he said, they've said this against you, not me. He said, God, they've railed against you. He said, I'm asking you, Lord, we don't have power, but you are. He said, all those other nations were taken captive because they weren't gods at all. They were wood and stone, but you're the real God, the living God. Show them who you are. And a prophet by the name of Isaiah went and told Hezekiah, you don't worry and don't you be afraid. They're not going to shoot one arrow against this city. There's not going to be a sword drawn against this city. I've heard his boast, and I'm going to put a hook in his nose, and I'm going to take him back out of here. He will not breach these walls. And that night, God suddenly sent an angel, and he began to walk through the camp of the Assyrians. And by morning's light, 185,000 soldiers lay dead on the ground suddenly. No explanation, just suddenly. I wonder what they're going to say when they find me missing. I wonder what they're going to say when all of a sudden one morning they see my clothes and I'm not in them. When all of a sudden they start looking around and there are cars that are evacuated and it's going to happen suddenly. When all of a sudden airplanes are going to be in the sky and pilots, oh, if they're born again, you on your own. <laughs> suddenly, God is a God of suddenly. The book of Malachi, chapter 3 and verse 1, this is, God speaking through Malachi, look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Israel had been looking for a Messiah for years. And God tells them through Malachi, Messiah's coming. His messenger's going to come before him, 
and announce his arrival and suddenly he's going to make an appearance in this temple. 400 years would go by from the time Malachi spoke that. 400 years and nobody heard anything. Oh, they've been saying he's coming back all of his life, all of my life. They've been saying since Isaiah that a Messiah was coming. We haven't seen him yet, but suddenly comes. And after 400 years of silence, Gabriel put on his Nikes, <laughs> and he got busy. He showed up in the temple talking to Zechariah and said, your wife is going to have a son, and you're going to call his name John. He's going to be a messenger. He's going to announce the arrival. And Zechariah said, well, how do I know that's going to happen? And Gabriel looked at him and said, what? How, how are you going to know? Who do you think I am? It's a matter. I'm giving this to you in plain English, okay? Gabriel looks at him and he said, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God, and because you've doubted this, I'm going to shut your mouth. <laughs> you ever have your parents say, shut your mouth? <laughs> I'm telling you, he not just told him he was going to shut his mouth, he did shut his mouth, and Zechariah could not speak for nine months. When the time came and Elizabeth delivered the baby, and that they were naming the child, and she said his name is going to be called John. And they said, well, you can't name him John. That's not his father's name. You don't have any relatives named John. You, you can't do that. And so they go to John, and they say, you know, she's trying to name, and, or they go to John, they go to Zechariah, and all of a sudden Zechariah takes a tablet, and on the tablet he writes out, his name is John. And when he wrote that out, his mouth opened up, and he began to declare the goodness of God and the praises of God. I'm telling you, sometimes we need to learn how to... Everybody turn around and look at your name and say, watch your mouth. Let me ask you a question. Your mouth ever got you in trouble? Turn, turn and look at your neighbor and say, help me keep an eye on my mouth. <laughs> I, somebody, somebody say it with me, I need some help. <laughs> help. Help me keep an eye on my mouth. We're going to pass out duct tape in the lobby after service. <laughs> what are you saying? Sometimes we just need to, mmm. I said, oh, it won't work, will it, man? We'll find a way to get that duct tape off. <laughs> But sometimes we just need to let God, well, not just sometimes, all the time, we need to be still and know that he's God. Somebody say he's God. The promise came just like he said it would. You know, the word suddenly in Hebrew means unexpectedly. It has the same counterpart in Greek. It means unexpectedly. So when it says that Jesus is coming, you, you remember that song says, Jesus coming soon, morning or night or many. I thought I'd get a choir going. Nobody. Jesus isn't coming soon. That's not scriptural. Jesus is coming quickly. <laughs> Jesus is coming suddenly. What's the difference, Pastor? If I call you up and I say, I'm coming to your house pretty soon, 
you got time to throw your dishes in the dishwasher. You got time to pick up all your dirty clothes off of your floor and throw them in the laundry. You got time to dust and straighten up. And, 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 but if I show up quickly, I'm in your driveway and you don't have time to do anything except hide. And how many of you know you can't hide from God? When he comes, it's like that old game we used to play. Ready or not, here I come. God is a God of suddenly. God equips us suddenly, though it seems we wait a long time. You remember after his crucifixion, he meets with them, and he tells them, you go and tarry at Jerusalem until what? Until you're endued with power from on high. Let me say it this way. He said, you go wait in Jerusalem until I equip you with power. They go to Jerusalem. How long are they in Jerusalem after his crucifixion? 50 days. They're waiting 50 days. Day of Pentecost comes 50 days after that crucifixion. And 50 days they're waiting. Did you ever have a family reunion before? Last like a week or something, you know? Did you get on each other's nerves? And that just took you a week. <laughs> and, and 50 days, they are gathered together, and then all of a sudden something happened. They all got in one place in one accord. They all got their hearts together and their minds together, and something happened. The Bible said, suddenly there came a sound out of heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and it looked like fire setting on them. And all of a sudden, they began to speak in other languages, and everybody in that town was hearing them speak in their own language. Power hit them. God equips us suddenly. Any of you ever have any financial troubles and have a suddenly happened in your life? Well, all of a sudden, it seemed like, man, you were down to the wire, and, you know, if, if something doesn't give, it was over, and suddenly God showed up. I had a landlord give me back money. That don't happen, man. I mean, I, I'd, I'd already been out of the house for a while, and, and they, she, saw, or she saw my mother-in-law in town, and she said, hey, Rick moved out of that house before the end of the month, so his rent wasn't all used up. What? No, we weren't married yet. No, we weren't married. I wasn't living with her. I was living by myself. Okay, so I, and she said, hey, said Rick moved out of the house and his, his money wasn't used up yet. And so here's the, here's the rest of the money that he had. Now, my mother-in-law didn't know that I owed a gas bill uptown and I told the guy I would pay him Saturday and didn't have a clue how I was going to pay him Saturday. And it was getting close to the time for his shop to close. And I thought, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've told this man I'm going to pay him Saturday. And suddenly showed up in my life. And not only did I have enough money to pay him, I had enough money to get something afterwards. Somebody say, he's more than enough. God is a God of suddenly.
God equips us suddenly and God apprehends us suddenly. Acts 9, verse 1 through 4. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation and the arrest of any of the followers he found there. He wanted to bring both men and women back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Here's a guy that hates believers. He hates Christians. He's having them arrested and thrown into prison. He's had them beaten, and he's been responsible for some of their deaths. And he's on the way to Damascus to get more authority to arrest these people. And suddenly, God shows up. I'm telling you, God can apprehend you suddenly. Paul wasn't thinking about serving God. He thought he was serving God. He thought everything he was doing was right in God's eyes, and suddenly he realizes he's been wrong all this time. And after that encounter with God, after he's apprehended, Paul spends the rest of his life trying to apprehend why he was apprehended. Paul's thinking, man, I wasn't doing anything that was worth being saved over. I mean, I had done all these bad things, and yet he apprehends me. And Paul says, I'm going to apprehend why I was apprehended. I want to catch why I was caught. How many of you can say that there was no reason God should have saved you? I mean, was it like that you did, when you came to God, did you come with a resume? Here's how good I am. The Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're not saved because we earned it or we deserved it. We're saved because suddenly God showed up in our life and turned our hearts around. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to fulfill the reason he did that. Everybody say he suddenly apprehended me. The last thing that God does suddenly is God rescues us suddenly. The Bible says in Acts 16 and 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. This guy that had been putting believers in prison now finds himself in prison. Not only is he in prison, but he's been beaten and whipped before he was thrust in there. And I got to thinking about this and what went on and and, and, this, and, and this suddenly that happens, and if you will, let me paint a picture for you. I want you to fathom that you're arrested for preaching the gospel. They throw, they beat you before they put you in prison and lock you up. Is it possible 
that when you wake up from that beating that you might be complaining? Is it possible that you might go, God, I can't believe you let this happen to me. Look what I was doing for you. Look at everything that I've done. Is it possible? Is it possible that happens and you haven't been beat and thrown in prison? <laughs> Is it possible we gripe and complain about things going on in our life after every good thing that God's done for us? Is it possible that we still do that? Oh, y'all might as well just wave your hand and shout yes because we've all done it, haven't we? We've all been there. We've all forgotten about the goodness of God. But here are two men that are beaten, that are left bloodied, and they get up off the prison floor, wipe the blood off their mouth, look at one another and take hands, and they start praying to God. And all of a sudden as they start praying, their prayer starts to turn into praise. Too many times our prayer turns into complaints but their prayer turned into praise and as they start praising God can you fathom that God's looking down in heaven and saying I want you to look at those two boys they were preaching my word they got whipped and beaten and thrown in jail and they're down there praising me I think I'm going to sing along with them I think I'm just going to begin to clap my hands and as God begin to clap his hands the earth begin to shake those prisoners doors begin to quake and everybody in that house was set free here's what you need to remember when you choose to pray and praise instead of pray and complain it doesn't just set you free it sets everybody around you free I said it sets everybody around you free I've caught myself doing that before I've caught myself praying and going to God, and what I'm doing is giving him a checklist. I wonder how many times God's felt like he works for DoorDash. I need you to pick this up for me. I need you to get that for me. I need you to do that for me. And I'm telling you that there are times I've gotten down, and I, I was doing that, and I stopped. <laughs> and I said, God, I'm sorry. I, I, I just think, I, I thank you for all the prayers that you've answered you know I, I thank you but today I'm not asking you for anything today I want to spend some time thanking you for what you've already done for me thank you for the air that I breathe I was sitting up in a deer stand yesterday and never saw a deer but I was thinking God I looked up man the sky was so beautiful and everything was so pretty and I found myself sitting in that stand saying God thank you for this world that you made so beautiful and I said God I'm asking you to forgive us for what we've done to it isn't it something how sometimes kids can mess stuff up <laughs> How many of you ever had your kids helping you in the kitchen? When, when, when we were, had children at home and the children were in the kitchen, Debbie would do, no, no, don't do, do that. Don't do that. That's, you, you, you're making a mess. Don't do that. And she'd try and scurry them out of the kitchen. God is like the ultimate grandparent, man. Because grandparents get a whole different mindset. You know what I'm talking about. If you're a grandparent, you Landon, our grandson, was about three years old or so, or four years old, and he's sitting on the countertop, and he grabs a nut, and he cracks it, and shells go flying all over the place. And I said, hey, buddy, don't do that. Don't do that. And she said, leave him alone. He's fine. 
I looked at her and I said, you'd have never let our kids do that. And she said, oh, yeah, I would. And they were standing there. No, you wouldn't either, man. That would never happen. I'm telling you, there's something about the love of God that looks beyond our fault and sees our need. And he suddenly shows up to rescue us. He suddenly reaches in our life and he says, you know what? I'm going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. That's why it's called grace. We need to rejoice and thank God for all he's done. Would you stand with me today? Now, here's what you've got to remember and understand. That there are all kinds of prisons in the world. And not all of them are made of bars of iron. Some prisons exist inside of our hearts and our minds. Prisons of fear and depression can keep you as locked up as an iron door closed. Prisons of anger and bitterness can wreak havoc on your health. Prisons of resentment and disappointment cause you not to believe again. Prisons of stress can run up your blood pressure. <laughs> Stressed out. And they took me in the hospital at, a couple of months ago. They said my blood pressure was 225 over something. My face had turned red. What'd you do? I said, I'm getting ready to put my clothes on and leave. <laughs> that wasn't going to fix nothing. <laughs> I was stressed out. Stuff going on in my body that I couldn't control. <laughs> what about things going on in our lives that we feel like we can't control? If you're not careful, it'll stress you out. When you get stressed out, it can take you out. So I learned I have to relax. I have to just kick back. I tried to put some things in place. While I was laying in that bed, I thought, I, I need to make some adjustments. So I schedule time that I'm not allowed to be stressed. <laughs> you can't be stressed here. You got prisons of hopelessness where you've looked for something for so long and it hasn't happened and so you just begin to lose hope and you walk in hopelessness and, and that robs you so you live your life but you're not living your life you're walking in shadows and you're breathing but not living and he said I've come that you could what have life and have it more abundantly what's he saying he said I want to free you from your stress I want to break you out of the prison of hopelessness I want to take away your despair and turn your bitterness into love 
And how does he do that? Suddenly. Suddenly. Come up here a minute, Ray, would you? Say, well, I, I, I don't get this suddenly thing you're talking about. I mean, I've been praying and I've been asking God to do something, you know, for a long time now, but it hasn't happened yet. Come here, Becca. Well, well what, what are you getting ready to do? Well, you know, there's still problems going on, still things we're wrestling with. But you know what? Let's just pray about it. So we start praying. And as you're praying and you're looking down, saying, God, I need you to do this and I need you to do that. And I need... Then all of a sudden you start feeling like, you know what? He's been so good to me. I mean, yeah, I've gone through some stuff, but he's still been so good to me. And the next thing you know, your prayer is turning into praise. <laughs> and as your prayer turns into praise, it gets heaven's attention. And heaven steps into your situation and begins to turn things around. It doesn't just say, he, he doesn't just come in and set you free, but he says, who's hanging out with them down there? Y'all better get ready because I'm getting ready to set you free too. I'm, I'm going to break some bonds off of your life as well. Come on, give him a hand clap. So this is what I'm going to ask you today. Are you in this house ready to take your prayer to praise? Are you ready to not just believe that God is able to answer prayer, but that God responds to praise? <laughs> they say they used to do a song that said, praising the Lord or keeps the devil confused. Worship drives him out of his mind. I wish I could remember the rest of the words of that song. It was good. He knows he's beat. He knows he's beat. So he's in retreat. So he's in retreat when you praise him for the victory. Hey, can I, can I have a little bit of that right now? And I, yes, I am going to sing. Get ready. Right now, are you ready? Come on. 
somebody to come and lay hands on us in that prison there was nobody there to lay hands on them they just raised their hands and God laid hands on them God laid hands on that situation you've got family members that you can't get to church to get your hands laid on that doesn't mean that God can't touch him you just gotta praise him and begin to worship him Spread those hands to heaven with me right now. Praise Him. I'm ready for my suddenly. I'm ready. Raise those hands to heaven. I feel great.
This is my suddenly. Say it with me. This is my suddenly. This is my suddenly. trying to knock at your door so you can't worry about that you can't fear those things you got to know that God is a God that's enough as a matter of fact he's more than enough so as you stretch your hands I just want you to say this with me God I trust you I know you've got it in control I'm going to quit trying to control it and just release it to you Father, I thank you for Say, I believe it. Now shout it out, I believe it. A little louder. So one more, one more time. Why, why are you having him shout? Well, we shout at ball games. We, we shout in other places. And shout is just saying, it's, it's just rallying. The team is saying, I believe it. And so what you're letting God know is, I believe that you're able. I believe that you're doing it. And you're letting the devil know, hey, you've got no hold on me. I believe God. As you stretch your hands, say with me one more time, Father.
looking down with love so be careful little mouth what you say if we if we could understand how the devil seizes our words we would learn how to speak life but as long as you think it doesn't matter what you say you'll continue to say anything how many how many of you have just ever you know really fleshed out you know what I'm talking about? And just, you know, you, you, you knew you needed to hold it back, but you were already out there, so you just waded right out into it. And then, and then you got to deal with all that mess later. It's like trying to, you know, there have been a few occasions in our married life where, I, we, you know, I traveled all those years, and there was a couple of times that we got paid, and Debbie unknowingly threw the check in the trash can. And so we're trying to find the check, and she has had to wade into the trash to dig it out and man and, and you know sometimes there's all kinds of stuff in that trash and so what she decided is it's a lot better to put it in a safe place <laughs> so it doesn't accidentally get tossed into the trash so it's always better to take a moment and stop to think about what you're getting ready to say because when you have to eat your words, they don't taste good. They don't taste good. So this is what I want, this is what I want you to get. Learn how to speak life. Exercise yourself in that. You say, how do I do that? You do it every day. You get up and you say, hey, this is the day the Lord's made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I thank you for this day, God. I praise you for it. Start your day that way. Don't just run off to work and say, I don't have time. You got time to drop down on your knees for 30 seconds and begin to open your mouth and praise God and thank him for that day. And pray. you'll find out that 30 seconds with God can save you a lot of heartache in the afternoon. 30 and then you might even graduate to 60 seconds buddy when you get to 60 seconds you got demons worried when all of a sudden you start praising God and giving God the first part of your day I'm getting ready to lay hands on you and I want you to hear what I'm saying when I lay hands on you I'm asking God to do something in you to change your speech pattern to change your thought process. You know, I went to bed one, th this works. I went to bed one night and I laid down in bed and I said, God, I said, I'm asking you, please, please, when I wake up in the morning, let the first thing I do is praise you. Please let me praise you first thing in the morning. Do you know what, when I woke up that morning, it's God's truth, man. I woke up, when I opened my eyes, my hands went up. It was, I wouldn't even think about it. My hands went up and I started praising God. And I thought, whoa, this feels good. Are you ready? 
We're going to start our day with Jesus. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, we're going to start our day with Jesus. You know what? Then I'm just going to hang out with him all day long. I'm going to, I'm going to take Jesus to school with me. I'm going to take him to work with me. I'm going to take him everywhere I go. And if you get in my car, you're going to have to take a back seat to Jesus. You're going to have to because I'm going to love you. Are you ready? Raise those hands. Raise your hands. Raise I'm serious about this, man. I believe that God is going to touch your hearts. And he's going to, if, you, if you get a hold of how powerful words are, and then you begin to speak those words out, you're going to see a shift in your life. Are you ready for this? God, right now, God, I pray, God, that God, guard her now. Father, let her see the light.
hands to heaven. Just turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And God is going to do it. He's keeping his promise suddenly in Jesus' name. Give him a hand clap of praise. God bless you. We love you.